Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Friday called attention to the disproportionate spike in COVID-19 deaths in black and brown communities. She said in a tweet that it's happening because the chronic toll of redlining, environmental racism, wealth gap, etc. are underlying health conditions. Ocasio-Cortez further commented, Inequality is a comorbidity. COVID relief should be drafted with a lens of reparations. The imbalance she describes is partially evident in Michigan. Detroit Metro Times reported on Thursday that black people make up 12% of Michigan's population, but of the state's 417 coronavirus deaths, 40% are black. It further reports that, according to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, of the nearly 11,000 who tested positive for the coronavirus, 35% are black. If we disagree about what even counts as an important environmental issue in the first place, it's hard to come together to work on solving those issues. Some of the groups that are most affected by environmental problems are least likely to have a seat at the table. So if you're thinking about ways to engage members of those communities, I think these data might have some really practical insights, right? Because you could go to communities and talk about climate change and invasive species, but those might not be the issues that really count as the leading environmental issues for the communities you most want to reach. Like for certain communities, it might be the flooding that, that, that floods um, their city sidewalks. That might be the pressing environmental issue that prevents their kids from, from enjoying the city park. Uh, Low-income people, racial minority people in the U.S. are more likely to live closer to environmental hazards. Um, and so if you're living in different places, you're going to come to different uh, mental representations about these issues. So if you're closer to these uh, um, environmental hazards, um, then it's much clearer to you that there's actually a link here between um, sort of the racism and poverty and things that led to me living in one place versus another place. And so it becomes more clear for some groups than for others. That's what we think is sort of going on. And it made us face some of our own preconceptions and prejudices as researchers because if we had just gone ahead and done this survey that we, that we ended up doing without engaging community members, it would have been a very different survey. All right. And there that goes. Um, podcast audio there. YouTube upload there, Facebook Lives over there. I'm here with incredibly dry skin. I wasn't ready. I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't check the forecast. I did not know how cold it was gonna get. And I'm crusty. I need to lotion up before I head out to work. Right now it's 4:41 a.m. I do need to be heading out to work soon. But I wanted to share with you something that the factory is doing. Alright? So at my job at the factory right now, um, and I did a finger count because you can see the board for all three shifts. So from between from first shift, second shift, third shift, obviously broken up on the 24 hour period, eight by three, three shifts. And um, between those shifts, 51 people 
are preemptively taking Corona days off. And I and I did include um, people that are just, that are using vacation hours to do so. Fifty one. That's it. Fifty one people out of one factory, and from there, a um, it's not even like there was a meeting with the staff or anything. Supervisors just stopped the whole factory, stopped all the lines, had everyone gather around and let everyone know that for the next three weeks, um, if uh. If you worked every day of the, every scheduled day of the week that the factory was up, you know, the pay period begins on Monday and ends on Sunday. After that Sunday, between that Monday and Wednesday, when they're processing um, the hours for the pay, they're going, if you work every day, then your uh, hourly wage will be $2 an hour more than what it normally is. And then your overtime hours your overtime hours will be based on if your hourly wage was $3 an hour more, right? So if um if you're 11 bucks an hour, then boom, you're 13 bucks an hour for those 3 weeks if you come in all all of the scheduled days, which is um 6 days. Mandatory 6-day work weeks. Hey, check out the workers' rights, right? Um <clears throat> if you just tuned in, you may have missed some context, but the archive will be there. That's a uh, Bracciali posted up in a joint over there. Um, and also if you're 11 bucks an hour, so that'll be 13 an hour right off scratch. But then your overtime is based off of it being $3 an hour more. So you'd be 14 bucks an hour at overtime, but it's overtime. So it would be 21 bucks an hour for all your overtime hours, right? So you bang 40 hours on the regular and that's going to be at at a, at a the two dollar increase to thirteen. But then say you do um, twenty hours overtime. Now you have twenty hours at uh, twenty one an hour, and that's based on the factory did this for the next three weeks, just off of fifty one people withholding their labor during a a pandemic when it's uh, dangerous and they're like, all right, no one's going to get points against them on your employee record and whatnot, right? And so that's just off of that. So, like, imagine 51 million people withhold their label with labor when shit is supposedly going well, you know? And that's just simply attempting to somewhat slightly tiny bit by two and three punk-ass dollars modify capitalism. Two and three punk-ass dollars. So maybe 51 million people, hey, city to city, state to state, it's doable. Organizing's hard, though. Fucking grifters want to jump in and monetize every damn thing. Over the past decade, and particularly in the last few years, uh, around the world we've been experiencing very intense extremes in terms of uh, the weather and climate conditions. Droughts, heat waves, floods, wildfires. We know that these are increasing in frequency and intensity. Uh, we also know that uh, global warming is happening. So we've seen a huge increase in uh, the science around event attribution, uh, the scientific community's ability to test hypotheses about global warming and individual heat waves or individual droughts or floods uh, has really increased in the last 10 to 15 years. By their very nature, these individual 
events are difficult to verify. So what this study does, it says, what if we look at all of the events that happened, say over the last decade, how well do our predictions match up with what actually happened? So we were on record already saying, this is what we think in the current climate, the likelihood of record hot events, record wet events, record dry events should be around the world. So we can look back the last decade plus and ask how well does what actually happened in the real world match up with uh, those predictions that we had on record. The traditional approach to asking about the current probabilities has been to look back at that whole historical record because that's the most reliable measure of climate change that we have. The problem is that the climate change has been so steep in so many areas of the world that uh, we now have a false sense of uh, the odds of record-breaking hot events and wet events if we only rely on those observations. We find that for record hot events and record wet events, our framework uh, is actually too conservative. Global warming is actually causing a more rapid intensification of uh, heat waves and, and heavy rainfall events uh, than what we would expect just looking at the historical trends. So what this means is that going forward, the risks are actually higher than what we would infer just from the historical trends. You have to find ways to incorporate both the historical observations and climate model projections of the future. The odds of record-setting events uh, really, really matter. Uh, we gotta get those numbers right in order to have uh, resilient systems. All right, and we're looking at 4.45 a.m. I do need to be getting the funk out of here soon, quick, and fast. But um, I saw something that I thought might amuse me. It might amuse you as well. And um, <clears throat> so there's this uh, program called Washington Watch and some cat called uh, Tony Perkins. And, um, and on this show... The uh, guests are Marsha Blackburn, Ed Dowell, David Brody, Travis Weber, and Brad uh, uh, Dacus. And uh, um, now folks might know Marsha Blackburn already, right? Just listen to yourself, my goodness, uh, talking about the um, the government shutdown back, the, the 2013 shutdown. They're normal now. You know, have a shutdown party every, uh, every other month. <laughs> or whenever the hell. But, um... The one that is amusing the shit out of me, in particular, is David Brody. Apparently, David Brody is some sort of chief political analyst <laughs> at a CBN News, which I'm sure CBN News is probably like Christian Broadcast Network or some shit. Oh, that, that's totally probably it. And the host of a podcast called The Pod's Honest Truth. 
because you know like the god's honest truth whoa watch out um so he hosts that and uh and hosted with a cat named travis weber uh frc's vice president for policy and government affairs on growing concerns that kids exposure to explicit content may spike during coronavirus so these christian men are very concerned about pornography and coronavirus i have it set up so that um folks on the face booze live should be able to hear this audio i want to be amused as well and there's uh andrew that came to the face booze live said i like the art on your wall yeah i got the um we got the old bernie sanders uh poster there and then like some of these these black pictures this stuff i guess it's like some sort of contemporary i know they're, they're kind of cookie cutter right like that one, like, you can just get those at uh, at Ross, you know, $9.99, hang them up on your wall, feel good about where you live, enjoy it. You know, the one in the back, that shit, I shit you not, is from Family Dollar. Dead up, 100% that shit's from Family Dollar. And I don't think the um, the Black Panther film one is um, in the shot. Yeah, and, um, and then that, that uh, string bag, that's um, from uh, Sex Workers Outreach Project, SWAP, S-W-O-P. And so is this uh, st- uh, card stuck to the microphone. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew, my uh, my wife has the uh, the old Bernie Sanders earrings there. All right, so let me, uh, let's cue up this, this Christian broadcast. The evangelicals are not okay. So, what, what about me? Well, Tony, I know I buried the lead there, but I was saving the best for last. Oh, you okay. Might imagine. All right. Okay. All right. And then in today's episode, we have uh, the venerable Tony Perkins on the show. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. I knew you'd get to it eventually. <laughs> hey, let's. In, in one of your recent podcasts, okay. you talked about this issue of what's happening is is you know people are at home, in particular kids, okay. that the porn industry is preying upon them. Okay, so now how they're framing this on this uh, Christian broadcast program that, you know, folks are quarantined, folks at home with kids, and the porn industry is going to get them. All right? Don't worry about environmental racism. Don't worry about that. That's not going to get them. Fracking industries, don't worry about that. Climate change, that's not going to get them. It's that pornography. All right? Jiggly butt cheeks. Folks, all right. Let, let's see. Let's see where they go with this one. Well, that's exactly right. And we had Donna Rice Hughes on, who is the CEO of Nothing Is Enough, about child exploitation and what's going on there. And what she was telling me is that basically this is a pandemic yeah. inside a pandemic. Is what's going on. In other words, there's this pandemic of child sexual exploitation on the internet uh, that is getting even worse during the COVID nineteen pandemic. And she now they're saying now. Now, this, it sounds like they're talking about a serious topic, right? They're saying child sexual exploitation on the Internet. <laughs> and uh, Andrew Loco in the comment section said, this is stupid. The porn industry doesn't advertise. It doesn't need to. <gasps> Andrew, but these are evangelicals. Jesus told them they're sure of it. He was telling me that where kids play, predators prey was her quote. And she said, this is really a good time to reset with the kids about what they're doing online. And you mentioned Pornhub. I mean, look. Now, when they say where kids play, predators prey. So are they talking about because, like, there are adults of whom breed and have children 
And these adults are members of churches and take their children to these churches. And if you know, some churches have a playground area, might have a little big toy in the background. Kids are playing on the church ground. And it doesn't take much of an internet search to find um, religious folks that pray where children play or where children pray. You're right, Tony. They're offering free content. They started this in Italy and Spain, and the numbers went through the roof. Yikes, so. Yowza. Wait a second. The porn folks are offering free content just now? I had no idea. It's 2020, and there's finally free pornography. I don't think I was ready. I'm, I, I'm, I have 42 vacation hours, and I think I'm about to set that whole week on fire. Because apparently, there's free porn, finally, in 2020. Italy had a massive 57% increase in traffic boom, Pornhub did, in Italy. Just alone, uh, Spain saw 61%. So, and even in the United States, uh, as you might imagine, th- this is not uh, germane just to one country. It's for all countries. Okay. And the United States is having its problems, obviously, as well. So this this is a major, major issue, Tony. Well, David, some would... Okay. Now, I'm pretty sure what they're talking about is how these pornography websites, like you can have like the like the free shit and then it's like oh here's the here's the extracurricular shit the premium shit and you can uh pay a pay a bill and buy the premium shit but he is considering that the premium shit being free for a couple of weeks or months is basically the invention of free porn he's lying Um, Andrew Loco said child predators exploit unattended kids at public parks. Nobody is outside. Kids are safer than ever. Everyone is grounded doing homework online. Let's not forget domestic uh, predation, right? Domestic predators, uh, family members. It, it, It gets ugly. I'd say, well, what's the harm? You know, porn doesn't hurt anybody. It's 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 a it's it's innocent activity. It's just me, and and I'm watching what's on my computer. Okay, so he's posing the he's playing uh, sinner's advocate, right? As an evangelical, right? Like, uh, hey, I'm just watching on my computer. Let's see how let's see how the old Perkins perks up on this one. Right. Well, of course, then there's the uh, something called the societal issue here, right? I mean, there's this idea of at writ large that we have. A... Okay, so if you're an adult watching pornography on your computer, and that's your bisness, somehow it's a societal issue, and he's going to break that all the way down. All right. Society and what what are we telling our kids? What are we teaching our kids? And 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 quite frankly, this is something that Donna Rice Hughes has devoted her entire life. They, he puts in a lot of extra words because they don't actually, I, I would assume they don't really have a point to get to. But he's saying this is what we're teaching our kids. So they keep, they try to make it seem like anyone watching this is nefarious. And they're trying to find a way to make it attacking children. And it's like, you don't want to be blunt about it because the argument he's making is so ridiculous. Or more so a um a presumption that he's making. A, a presupposition saying that if you're watching it by default, you're teaching children, which means wouldn't they have to be in the room with you? Are folks doing that? 
Is he finding that out? Is that something he hunted down, did research on? to uh, at least in the last 20 to 25 years or so. And so she really, you know, her biggest concern, Tony, is that they get you early. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, this is one of those situations where, I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's intense. I mean, kids as young as 10 years old make up about 25 percent of the porn users of the under 18 category. Where do you get those numbers? Wait, I, I heard no source cited. Maybe he'll cite a source in the next 10 seconds. And by the way, they're not looking at the soft stuff. I mean, they're looking at sexual assault stuff, uh, violent content, and it gets... Wait, what's the soft stuff? He went straight to sexual assault stuff, violent stuff. What is the window? Because he said soft, and to my understanding, that soft core actually is a thing. Like, like um, I remember uh, growing up, um, like, what, 12 years old and whatnot, and you turn on the... That's why the... Uh, cable channel Cinemax was called Skinamax. Shit, they'd barely wait till 10 p.m. to start showing you the shot that they're most allowed to show, right? Like, they're not gonna um, just show you, like, um, genitals, you know, uh, genital contact, or barely even genitals at all, really. And he's, so that's soft, and then he's going all the way to assault which we're guessing like, um, what, like some sort of, uh, he's probably talking about like BDSM, most likely, if, if you're coming at it as an evangelical. <laughs> Andrew Loco said he's just inventing statistics. And Andrew Loco said, um, uh, ain't nobody want to see child porn. Um, these mega sites like Pornhub make enormous effort to report child porn to the police. And rightfully so, the FBI arrests these pedo assholes with all deliberate speed. These theists are bogus in their logic. Indeed, we do, neighbor. That's how, that's how I started the podcast was, well, talking about these theists. Oh, uh, Phoenix Cleeter just walked in and said he's getting his stats from uh, some folks called Enough is Enough, which sounds legit. They always do. All right, Enough is Enough. And I better wrap this the hell up. Fiends Cleaters up and ready to. It's 4:56 a.m. I am on the clock at 6 a.m. Um, I'm probably not going to keep very well to my attempt at setting and holding a boundary of when I take my daily overtime. Only coming in at 2 a.m. instead of staying till 6 p.m. for my overtime weekday hours because this rony shit is wacky. And uh, I don't, I don't, it's unpredictable. But I did try to set and hold that boundary, and I already broke it once this week. Actually, they gave me quite a crew. All right, winecellarmedia.com. I don't even have time to upload this. <laughs> All right, but I do have some uh, extra news clips. When I do get back uh, from work this afternoon, I will be uh, putting this audio up because I got to rush down to the factory now. There is, uh, yeah, three minutes to go. <laughs> I have to put together my lunch and get out the gosh darn door. And uh, so this will go up this afternoon. What I recorded yesterday morning was 24-hour uh, Patreon early access. So now that got socialized just about 58 minutes ago now. So uh, yesterday's uh, recording is available now. And what I recorded this morning, I will uh, mix down and get up this afternoon I need to go in there and attempt to train this new staff member. Member support, 
SWOP, Sex Workers Outreach Project. Uh, have a good fucking day. <laughs> oh, there's Laura Loco. How you doing, young person? You tuned in right when I was going. I got to get out of here. Oh, uh-oh, what the hell? Come on. 